0: Imagine a job that truly gives you the gift of global travel. Think of the places you'd see and the people you'd meet and the different cultures you'd experience. This is what it can be like in a global projects organisation, an organisation just like Kent and for Maurice Deneen this is exactly the life it has given him. From Australia to the Middle East, and from Caspian to Europe, there's not many parts of the world Morris hasn't lived and worked. There are benefits and drawbacks, of course, highs and lows, sacrifices to be made, but the best way to learn about different cultures is to live within them, to make friends in all corners of the globe. Imagine being able to land in a country and know that nine times out of 10, there's somebody's door that you could knock on. In this episode, we learn more about the experiences of a global project manager and the changes and similarities he's witnessed throughout his travels. This is Spark Generation. Hi, Maurice, welcome to Spark Generation. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hi, Joanne, Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to be here.
0: Um, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, to kick us off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who you share your life with?
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm living in Middleton, County Cork, and I'm living with my partner, Evelyn, and my daughter Laura, and Evelyn's uh, daughter Renee. So that's the, the four of us living together at the moment. And I've got my two daughters then, they're, they're in Norway, so they come on the holidays so um they are they're due over now on Christmas so I'm looking forward to that yeah. but uh yeah and I'm I'm just finishing off a new house then as well so I've been at that for the last two and a half years so over the next three months hopefully we'll be in it
0: oh that'd be nice yeah yeah uh so you're surrounded by women in your life it sounds like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I've
1: got my father and my brother just live close by so it's great like
0: right okay and Middleton was where you grew up as well is it
1: yeah that's um yeah i was born in canada but i was moved back to ireland like before i was two and uh that's where my my father's from around here my mother's from just up around rackarmock north cork area but uh yeah that's where i grew up then middleton
0: and what took them over to canada
1: i did just basically they left um they just left after school my father's a mechanic um he after he's apprenticeship that was kind of the norm back then everybody immigrated yeah. Because there was a lot you could make like you could make six to ten times your wages by going over to Canada and you just come back there's a lot of people used to do four or five years come back then and buy houses and they wouldn't have mortgages, you know.
0: All right, okay. So they did actually come back to Ireland. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they got yeah, married yeah. in
1: Canada and then I was born there. And then before my next sister before the next was born Ashley, they were they were back here. So How many
0: how many brothers and sisters have you got?
1: Uh one brother and three sisters.
0: Right okay so fairly big family then. Yeah yeah yeah. Must've been loud and crazy. Awful
1: oh, on yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so grew up in Ireland, school in Ireland, uh quick potted history, technical college in Ireland.
1: Yeah. Um yeah.
0: trained in electrical and the, um, the electronics trade, yeah.
1: Yeah, electrician. Yeah, I did yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. did electronics then as extra courses, sitting builds courses when I was in the RTC, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then and then straight into work. So you went from apprentice to foreman in your first five years with Kirby Engineering
1: yeah.
0: in Ireland before moving to other third, other firms that then introduced you to travel, roles in other parts of Ireland and, and the UK and Europe. Um, and then in 2001, which is crazily over 20 years ago now, was when you first joined Kentech. Yeah. And then travel got real. Yeah. How how was it that you first joined us? Where did that where did that come about?
1: Um, well, I'd I'd known of Kentek, uh all through my time with uh, Kirby's because there was uh, I would have known different guys that would have left Kirby's and joined them when they started up out in Azerbaijan in the nineties. Mm. But uh, there was a good friend of mine, Eddie O'Reilly. I'd known Eddie since my my since the start of my apprenticeship because we used to work on a lot of projects together. He was a uh, uh, an apprentice piping, uh, piping fitter. So Eddie had been with Kentek in Azerbaijan and Kazakhstan and he, when I came out of my time, then I was, uh, I was looking to travel. So he put my CV forward into John Kavanagh and I got called in for, uh, for an interview for a supervisor job in Uzbekistan and it was Bob Hassett and John Kavanagh that did the interview with me. So that was, that's where it started.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that you're saying names that are still so familiar to the company now, even, even though they've, some of them have moved on it. Was, they've just, been almost life as with kentuck
1: yeah
0: um okay so started in uzbekistan which is a very yeah you know,
1: well yeah uzbekistan yeah it was like uh, I, I basically hadn't even i i, bas- I just heard about it when the job came up because that's when yeah. we were in school that was part of the soviet union so we wouldn't have learned it in geography it was all the ussr yeah. when we were in school you know so yeah. <laughs> i didn't yeah. know much about it but uh yeah, very interesting place. The I mean it was like, yeah, it was. Um, it has its own culture there, the Uzbek culture, but it had mm-hmm. been part of the Soviet Union, so you had the whole Soviet Russian culture, and you had a mix of all different types of people there. You had all the, the Korean mix that Stalin had, yeah,
0: right.
1: moved over, and you know what I mean. There's a there's a complex history there, yeah. So you have a lot of different cultures going on in there. You had Ukrainian mix there, you had a German mix there left over from the war. You know they had war prisoners there so had different architecture so i was amazed with the place yeah and uh and
0: how old how old were you when you went when you first went there
1: oh 2001 how would that be uh
0: not to go away your age 20, or anything 20, 20, 26
1: yeah, 26
0: right okay 26. so that's quite that's quite a like how how long was the
1: 27 yeah
0: how long was that uh project running for how long were you
1: there for it, it was going for about six months before that I was there for about a year it was a year yeah
0: uh, right okay so and, uh,
1: Kevin Kevin has was with me and, yeah
0: yeah yeah and, but that uh, must have been a bit of a well a culture or, shock they call it a culture shock don't or, they? You yeah, yeah 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 that mean, that mean I'd been
1: it. I'd been in you know, I'd, I'd I'd walked around Europe and I'd walked in Australia and all at that stage I'd walked yeah I'd walked in Norway holland uk and australia at that stage so that was mm. that, that was about but that, that's a totally different thing going into a, a country like that you know
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. and um yeah we 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 just yeah. went straight into the middle of the culture there we were living in one of the micro regions so we had a house there we were fully integrated we weren't living in a camp renting. and there was uh there wouldn't have been many western expats in that country maybe in tashkent but we were in a, a town a city called namangan right and it was, uh, it was just a big, new Nestle factory. They were doing all the, the UHT milk and the, the Nestle pure life water. So there was a lot yeah. going on there. So it was a big dairy region, but it's in a, it in an interesting place. It's in the Fagana Valley, you know? So you've got all the yeah. different mountain ranges and everything around there. So it was, yeah, amazing. Loved it there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, so from Uzbekistan to Azerbaijan, let me just give a quick potted history just to kind of give the listeners and understanding of just where your travels have taken you while you've been with Kentech. And this is what I'm understanding so you'll probably stop me at some point and go, oh no, there was something else in between. So you went Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, which is where you first moved into sort of construction project management roles, yeah? yeah. Georgia, the UAE, Qatar, back to the UAE, Australia, the Netherlands, Kuwait, Kazakhstan. Have I yeah. missed anything?
1: no that's it i've just been told yeah that was that's it yeah they're, they're all the places i've been yeah that's
0: yeah i think the only thing that i can think of that might be listening missing from that list is Sacklin. Mean, yeah yeah, and
1: it only went that one stage but uh didn't happen
0: right okay um but just talk to me about that kind of life so that's like 20 years of of pretty full on travel. I bet you've not spent that much time back in back home in Ireland. Yeah. Yeah.
1: but a bit, Only recently, only since I started working in Kazakhstan, I started really kind of settling back in there because I had, a an equal time rotation, you know? So yeah. it's only over the last three years, I've, I've really started moving back into Ireland. Like, and yeah. up until then, I was only coming in on, you know, I was on a married status for a long time in the UAE. So like, yeah, after Uzbekistan, Azerbaijan, and I was on an eight and two, contract there and uh basically then i i ended up um getting married there then as well so i was basically living in azerbaijan for my final couple of years there you know
0: hmm.
1: um but uh yeah there was uh I, I loved it there i mean that wasn't um that wouldn't have been a hardship location or anything like that azerbaijan even though we were on i was on the pipeline and stuff like that but yeah it was just it was just a good place to be like you know um
0: but that kind of rotational working though, and kind of long times working and you know, short, yeah. shorter stints back home with family.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it was a, it was an eight and two we were doing in Azerbaijan that time, which is definitely hard. Yeah, you, you you lose touch completely with the home scene when you're on those type of rotations, long time, you know, yeah. after five years, and because you're like, yeah, eight and two, but um yeah at the time like yeah you I mean you're loving it like you know yeah. so basically there was different then I mean that was azerbaijan georgia was was good we did the pipeline there then um then we moved down to the uae on marriage status
0: right
1: so yeah steve went down steve uh moved down there and i went down with him steve Humphreys and he set up in Abu Dhabi,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we started the the, the big D 2 project i think was the yeah it was kent uh, Kentex, I think, second job in the UAE. Bob had got some other projects, but this was a huge one, you know. It
0: was huge, yeah.
1: Yeah. So we'd, I think, we'd we'd up on 1800 seventeen, eighteen hundred men at peak on that job on AGD Two, and we had to, uh, yeah, we had the whole, we'd mobilise people from everywhere for that, you know. It was, uh, yeah. it was a massive effort. Um, we did all the campaign, recruitment campaigns in the Philippines and in India. We set up all the training schools and everything. Yeah, it was. It was a serious undertaking because those some yeah, of those yeah. projects we built there in, in the UAE were some of the biggest projects in the world. They were all yeah. like in the five, six million man hour range, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But um yeah, Abidabi was great. We did some huge jobs there. We did the, the AGD two job, then we did the, the all the rigs, we did the asap full field development, and then I was on the email project as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah. I, I mean, I can't, that, that's, that was a, a, brilliant. We loved it there. And, and my wife at the time, she loved it as well, you know? So yeah. life was yeah. actually very good there.
0: Um And then from the Middle East, you went to Australia, is that right?
1: Yeah, um, got the opportunity to move down to Australia then, Kentek moved down there in 2013. So I got chatting with Phil then and the opportunity came up and uh, he asked me to go down and that was with the family as well, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, uh, the first I went down to the the projects in um, in Queensland. There were the the upstream, the, the coal seam gas projects. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. they were all the pumping stations in Queensland. Yeah. So I think we had four of them in total. So I was um, I was in charge of them, and we had the, the construction managers reporting into me then. So and I was reporting up into Phil. Yeah. So yeah, just that was that was brilliant. The scenery out there was unreal. You know, I just was. like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and the rotation was good as well. We were doing a two in one, so it was two weeks on, one week off. Oh like, right, okay. Yeah, so I was go- I was actually based in Perth. So I was based in Perth first, and then I ended up on the Queensland job because I was supposed to be working in in that side first. So so I I spent about a year flying over and back on a two and one from uh, Queensland to Perth. So okay. and then I was landing in Brisbane and flying into the up up into the um, the. Part, the bit, the, 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 the gas fields, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So they did their own airports and done everything. So oh, it was a serious setup there, yeah?
0: Um,
1: really enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, it was, it was actually a brilliant experience being up there. It was like totally out of the way, you know, just like really out deep in the bush, like. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But um, after that, then, I moved on to the, the APLNG project, Kentec and Southern Cross did the, the joint venture K, KSJV. Yeah. So I went yeah. over on that one. That was, uh, yeah, 2014 and 15.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, yeah, that was another, not a good job. I actually, um, based myself in Gladstone and I just went over and back on the ferry every day. There was thousands going over and back on the ferry. These, like, these projects were huge. Like there was, mm. like, I think there was, I don't know, 15 or 20,000 guys out there on the island at peak. Like.
0: God, they're like a city in themselves. Aren't yeah, 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 these yeah, projects? yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Oh, full on! Yeah, we had uh, yeah. we had all the the OSBL side of the APLNG, which was a, a fairly decent sized project, you know, and it turned out well. Yeah, we had. Man, I had a great time there actually as well. I did a lot of traveling. I brought the kids all from Norway. Did a, did travel all around the west coast. Travelled around the east coast with them. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a great way to see the see the world, I guess, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd I'd been in Australia in my young days, in my early twenties, when I after my apprenticeship, you know. But this time it was different. It was a whole different experience, you know. Yeah. Stay with the family, and yeah, and I made a lot of good Australian friends as well, you know, friends for life there, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, completely different cultures. Like everywhere that you've been, it's. Oh, totally.
1: Yeah, totally. And you have to change your whole everything. Your whole style of management has to change as well. You know, when you're moving out from the Middle East into it's not you have to change. It's not that you have to be any different as a person. It's just you're just slightly different ways of dealing with things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. You're you, When you're going into Australia, it was like uh, heavily unionized, which coming from the other projects in the the former Soviet Union and, and the Middle East, you wouldn't have that, you know. You yeah. still have the workers' committees, you know. I mean unions I agree with the way they operate, you know. They keep uh, keep things fair for the for for everybody on the on the teams, like. So yeah, there was a lot of differences when I moved to Australia and that side of things. It was I had I had been in the unions and in my younger days, like with Kerby's and all that, but that was my first time getting dealing with uh, that side of things. So that was all new to me. Like well, yeah. the, the construction and commissioning and all the, the scope of works and everything is the same. It's just uh, that was a whole new scene there. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was no big issue. We had a lot of good guys there dealing things with us and keeping things right, you know. Lays mm-hmm. and Dean were on that job in Energy. That's why I first met Lays, yeah
0: all right okay right um uh, but yeah i mean i guess the thing that the projects all over the world can be you know the we work on some of the biggest projects and they can be really challenging and things like that but i guess the thing that changes each time is the human factor
1: oh that's it yeah oh for me that's 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 always been my way i mean you can relate to you can relate to any any person from any culture once you get down to the human level you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah.
1: Because we're all going through, this, all going through <laughs> the same stuff, basically. We've all got the same, you know, ambitions, and we've all got the same responsibilities. We've all got the kids. We've all got the same, basically, needs, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. And when
1: trouble is going on, we're all feeling the same thing. So, basically, that's how that's how I've always done it. I've always just connected with people that way, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you yeah. just get
1: through the cultural thing very easy, you know, because you're just, yeah, I mean, and then you, you what, what ends up happening is when you start walking like that, everybody starts pulling together no matter what culture so all our jobs have been basically you know except some countries but they've been cultures from everywhere you know all yeah, yeah. all pulling in together to build the same the same target like
0: yeah well i guess that's it As so long as everybody feels like they're being treated the same yeah, yeah you can yeah. find that human common ground with people and breaks yeah, down those barriers yeah, doesn't yeah. it yeah and then, what, have been, what have been the toughest challenges there with working with people from different backgrounds um specific tough challenges that you faced
1: yeah I, I i found australia a bit tough now actually coming into the union because you had to stand up in front of the teams and you can get asked questions you've got hundreds of guys there and they're passing the mic around and you know what i mean you've got yeah i found that that there was a divide between the management and the workforce with the, with the unions and all that you know so right that 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 took a bit of getting used to but yeah that, i found that a bit um new from from the background i had from years of being in say the middle east and, and the former soviet union you know mm. but um yeah every culture you find it does differences everywhere you know it, it, we, in netherlands we had um basically it's it's a similar thing coming from our, our the culture we had in the company and, and integrating it into the 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 dutch mtech culture I mean, the, the same thing it's all about just getting down to the human level you know yeah, yeah at the yeah. start the change and everything the new change new company it's, it's basically hard forever and then you had the the cultural and language differences there as well i found that th- that that one as well another one you know that was that was challenging you know where yeah, i would have yeah, been yeah, at yeah. home i would have been home at home in the middle east type environments with the with the indian and filipino waffles because i've been around them so long you know yeah yeah and uh, yeah, but it is still. I mean, for me, it's still. It's still. I found it. It was. It was a challenge at the start with in in Holland, you know. But after a while, and once you start getting down to that level with all the, with the supervision and the team, then everything becomes very easy. Then after that, you know, you start pulling together as as a team in the same yeah. direction. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you have to basically in everywhere you go, you have to you have to break that down. Yeah. You,
0: know? you just have to. You have to break it down and just get down to that base human level, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and really yeah. get to know people.
1: Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, people have oh, different yeah, styles yeah. and different approaches. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, and and I see the way the company's going now. There's definitely, I always would have been, I, I would have supported that way. You know, that way of just getting down and communicating at, all, at the different levels. You know.
0: Well, this is this is one of the biggest problems that we have because obviously I'm in communications, and um you are somebody who's worked with this company for many many years and you know people all across the company you see lots and lots of different parts of the company and you you sort of have a really really broad understanding of the different pockets of the company and what what we're all trying to achieve if you know what I mean but um I think one of the problems that we always face is that our communications don't it's it's difficult for us as a central team to see into projects. Yeah, yeah. And projects are the biggest, biggest part of our workforce. So it's not just about how we communicate the company message to them, but it's about how we hear their voices and sort of truly understand what's important to them so that we can make sure that we're creating a great culture and it's not just what we're saying within offices,
1: yeah, yeah, but, but it or,
0: touches, it touches everybody yeah. and it touches the projects as well. And that's um, what, that's
1: what does, yeah, that tends to happen. Yeah.
0: Do you see that playing out? Do yeah, you see that yeah. difference between office culture and project culture?
1: Definitely. Yeah, definitely. And
0: um, what are the biggest, what are the biggest challenges there? How do you see the culture playing out on projects? Because I just imagine that the needs of people on projects are completely different to, you know, what we experience in offices
1: yeah i mean still on down at the down at the site level you still need that structure you know i know that there's in like the corporate and the project office so you can go that uh you can go at, like the flat line instead of yeah. the the org chart and everybody is a t like in the team and the, and the the manager can be more like a team captain and he can
0: yeah. talk
1: that way but that, that's no problem in the office environment on the site there can be a bit different because you need to keep the structure there you need to keep the the directs on on the fronts because it's all productivity based you know mm. and it's hands-on productivity but still like it, it it's slightly different you, but you, you you keep that kind of chain of command structure i still think that's important but of course to hear all the voices you know because we i mean we still do that i mean we've always listened to the guys actually on the, on the tools, on the, the guys on the tools, the former, cause they're always going to give you better ideas. Cause you can think of all the best ideas with the superintendents and the CMs and the engineers, you know, but the guys on the, on the tools will always give you an easier, better way, you know? So yeah. that's what I've discovered over the years. Like, so you ha- you have to listen to everyone, you know, but and do a, you
0: find do you find that that's easier in different parts of world the world than the other? Cause it's that cultural thing and how it plays out as well. So that certain cultures would be much more willing to kind of speak up, bring their ideas to the table. And so yeah. do you find that you have to work harder to get that culture in different parts of the world than others?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely in the in the Western uh, regions that I've worked in, in the, with the Western culture, they're no problem. They're, they're, they're very keen to show you. Yeah? And when you're dealing with um, other, other parts of the world, like some something like the Indian workforce, you would be a bit... Uh, you know, they wouldn't like to. They don't like to approach like. Uh, yeah. Like that's that's the way they are. But we we go down to the site and make sure that that's not that's not a barrier. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the big ones. Like yeah. yeah. But uh, we mean, I you'd still get it from from all the different cultures. You still get that feedback when you go down there and ask them. You'd find that most cultures are keen to show to show you what they know, like and show yeah. how they can make things easier and better to for to, for the installation work that they're doing. You know. So yeah. yeah.
0: And what do you find, what do you think i mean i know you can't you can't speak on behalf of the thousands of people that work for us but in your view what do you think are kind of the the main drivers of people who work on you know the, the hands-on tools project site you know teams what are the main drivers why why are they looking for you know is career development advancement having the voice heard is that important yeah. to them are they Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: definitely. Definitely. I mean, what you find in our in our industry, in the electrical industry, guys, when they get into it, they've got their qualifications and most guys want to move up with it, you know? So most guys mm-hmm. want to get into a charge hand or leading hand position, move it. either they want to go down the commissioning technical route or they can go down the supervision construction installation route. But most guys want to want to move with it, you know? Yeah, yeah yeah so the, yeah. they're all like yeah because it's it's the, that's the type of trade it is like it's it takes a it takes a lot of effort to get into it because you have to go through all the training in the technical school and pass all the exams so you're basically you're kind of you know you're an interested kind of person anyway you're interested in that in that type of work and so when you start at that if you want to keep going with that you have to kind of move up you go yeah. down the technical route or you go down the basically the supervision management route you know so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, oh definitely. There's a lot of guys. A lot of most guys would would like to jump up to the the foreman level and try it out anyway. You know, yeah, yeah. And then the guys that when they get to that level and they they're going well, they want to go to the next level. So basically, that's what I did myself. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. It's such. Paying. I mean, it's it, it. I have nothing but awe and admiration for people that that do these types of jobs because it's. I mean, not only is it high risk. Tough yeah. manual work, but you know some of them get really extreme rotations, or they'll only get to see the family like oh, yeah. once a year, or yeah, something yeah. like that. And it's just such a difficult life. It is, but
1: yeah, but w- what happens with the guys? They kind of a they have a big bond thing going on, like it was like a right. a comrade thing with the guys for putting down hard projects. And when they do it together, then they have like these bonds, and they kind of yeah. you kind of thrive on that. in those type of environments, It's kind, of, it can be hard, but. Fellas are, are getting a kind of a, a kick off how whole yeah. mis- miserable it is sometimes. It's almost you know? like <laughs> if, you, if
0: it's really hard and you're all in it together, then there's a bigger feeling. Of reward yeah, 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 yeah.
1: That's that's, that's, that's It's it's kind of builds the morale when everyone's going through that. You know,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you actually about how you how you have you know when you work in such a sort of transient lifestyle and you travel into different places or you know that your time on a project where you where you creating bonds that feel like family within a team, but then it's it's yeah. off and then you're on to the next one. How do you yeah. make those relationships and how do they yeah. stick and stuff? And how does how does it just generally but, affect relationships across your life? Like how does it affect your home life as well as how do you create yeah. and form the bonds with the people that you meet along the way?
1: I mean yeah, in, in my early life it was all like um yeah I was I was very keen on moving up the ladder. I was a very competitive. It was all about just uh, just just doing anything to become a pm that was my goal as a young so that mm. was that was kind of took my priority you know? and it, i kind of prioritized it over over kind of family life as well and i was in relationships but the priority went to that because it wasn't it, it was me like i just wanted yeah. that i had those goals you know
0: yeah
1: and um that's what i kind of found in my early days but you start um you start changing in as you get as you get older you can see what what, what it does like and you try and balance it out more you know but yeah the life itself is like, ah, oh, I, I Like it's 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 amazing, you know. Because like, not only you're traveling around there and you get all these big challenges to do, you get the big projects and it's like a mission. and there's your targets and everything like that. Then you get you get all the guys that you meet along the way as well, and you form massive bonds with them, you know. Yeah. And then those they they stay with you. I mean, I've I've all my real close friends, all my best friends are basically guys I've I've met through the industry, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah and those bands are still there so i'm still like even guys that i yeah like 30 years guys have been working with like 25 26 years ago still I tight. Feel, right?
0: i feel like you could go to any country in the world and knock on somebody's door <laughs> there'd be somebody that yeah. you would know and be able to just kind of
1: yeah but the industry you'd meet it's, it's yeah, yeah it's not a big amount of people moving around in the same parts of the world like because it's basically the same couple of thousand fellas you know and uh, in the that do the the expat side of it you know yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but yeah what it's you... uh it's uh it's an amazing life i wouldn't change a bit of it like
0: what what is it you love the most about it
1: yeah i suppose it's uh it's the people it's the it's the type of people you meet like you're meeting people very like yourself you know yeah so we're all in it like we're all into that type of uh contracting business we're all into building that stuff we're all into that uh that type of it's basically like adventure type of lifestyle really like that expat uh, international contracting you know yeah and yeah oil and gas especially you know so yeah. <laughs> so you see it
0: it's it feels like a bit of an adventure yeah it
1: attracts all the similar type of guys like and 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 women you know it attracts those yeah. type of people that want that type of life so
0: yeah touched i think is the way that yeah Frank there's nobody <laughs> there's nobody in it that doesn't want to be in it like you know right,
1: and okay. and yeah, and even as young as, a, as even when I was contracting in my younger days with Kirby's and all that, that was always the plan, like, to get uh, into the, the big international game. Right,
0: okay. Yeah. Um. But, you know, the world is changing now, isn't it? And we're going through, and the industry, but the world and everything is going through a bit of a transition. It feels like there's been a huge shift since
1: last year with COVID. I mean,
0: oh, what a difficult year last year was. What was pandemic life? like life for you because you were working in Kazakhstan at the time yeah
1: yeah um basically just when it hit I mean before they even labeled it everybody had these heavy flu uh symptoms going on so before it labeled there I think is it March March 2020, yeah, was March 2020 I, mean, I was firmly yeah imprinted yeah yeah, in yeah. My brain. I was I was I was on my back there for a week um, I think early early 2020 in the camp sweating buckets for about three or four days but we just put it down to a heavy flu like so it must right. have been and there was yeah. a lot got it then you know but that was before all got, got labeled yeah, before yeah. the testing came yeah but uh i went out on rotation then i think um in in that april and uh, and i didn't get back then basically because it was locked down
0: yeah
1: and mike in that had to stay there then from uh april mike stayed there until august and then i went back to relieve him in august so i was at home yeah. Yeah. From May June, July, I was at home five months. Like.
0: I don't know who, who who it was most difficult for because you've got people that were having to do longer rotations, so they were on the side yeah. for a longer. Or time would it would have been more difficult their...
1: for Mike, definitely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I guess. But then you know, if you live that kind of lifestyle and you're so used yeah. to it, yeah. and. With all due respect, all of a sudden you're spending like five months at home with like your wife or your family, yeah. and they're going, yeah, yeah, "I'm yeah. not used to having him around so much." He's starting to drive me yeah, a
1: bit yeah. crazy. No, I started to do. It. Yeah, I was. I was still working remote there, yeah, but Mike was underground full time. I was falling in doing stuff with Ray and walking on the Mozambique uh, tender, and yeah. then, and then when the the restrictions lifted, I went back in. Uh, I think it was late late August. I went back in. Then I did my isolation. And
0: um how tough was it when you went back? How much had things changed? I mean, it must have just been yeah, a, a more complicated yeah,
1: yeah. well the, the 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 project had stopped. Like they had put a stop on the project except for preservation, so the the project itself hadn't moved, you know. But um basically we had we'd been given the go-ahead to remobilize, you know. So we had to put everything in place, all the go-no-go packages, which basically had all your all your quarantine rules and all your podding procedures and everything. Everything had to be OK and passed. So you had to come out of the you had to travel PCR test. Then before you get onto the bus, you had to be you had to be negative. That's that's then as you come into the clean zone, then like you have to have a negative test and then you're basically in your pod then and you're you're in your new set of rules. So you're moving. Yeah, of course, it's, it was a whole different world coming back in there. But we had to basically when we went back, it was it was more or less set up all the security was there and everything but then we had to set up all our own internal parting procedures and everything all our own new r- rules like all the rooms had to be changed um basically yeah the whole there was there was, I mean, there, was doc bullet, some... there was tons of different documents produced purely just mm-hmm. on the parting and social distancing you know so all mm-hmm. that had to be followed yeah
0: but the i mean just to give some context as well Tengiz, which is the project in Kaz- uh, Kazakhstan. Tengiz is like almost a country in itself. Yeah, the the yeah. size, the amount of people that, that live and work out there. Yeah. I think it's huge, isn't
1: it? Sixty, over sixty, between sixty and seventy thousand at peak, I think, was the numbers wow. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. at peak. I don't know what it was there now, but uh, at at peak that was the numbers that were that were coming out. Oh yeah, it's like in the city there, yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it's on yeah. yeah,
1: you I mean you've it's basically that, and that's what it was like getting in and out of there in the, with, the, with the restrictions and it's still like that yeah yeah there's just changes there but you went back in there yeah it was a different world there was a lot of uh people down all the, the workforce coming back they had been at home for a long time the moods were very low there yeah that's what that's what one of the big things were mental health was kind of dropped down a big way so uh, one of my one of our main things was to try to bring that up you know so I was working right. closely with the uh, and all the supervision there, so that was a big thing talking to I people. think
0: that that's that's really interesting actually because we don't think about that. We're thinking about the fact that you know, people's livelihoods at risk and all of that kind of stuff, but you don't think about the, yeah. the mental health fall. But I that, mean, above all of from. this. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I
1: think the worry of that is what is what does it, you yeah. know. That the, the covert thing, like it brought in a lot of debt, you know. That's what I noticed. It, it it brought a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, kind of a, a low, a low feeling into the, into the whole environment there yeah. compared to what it, what it used to be like, you know,
0: like but another it, level of fear yeah, over yeah, whether yeah, people yeah, yeah. were going
1: to be able to continue oh, to work. It was unreal. So you're on the camera all the time. You know what I mean? Mm. You get up in the morning, you walk out the door as a camera and you walk no, out as a camera, yeah, you're on yeah. the camera all the time. Like, so that would get kind of wear people over time, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So mask rules, anything, guys being, guys being called up because they were seen walking from one area to the smoking hut with the mask down and things like that. It got a bit extreme there, and I don't know what it's like. I've been out of there since September because I'm working remotely for Barry at the moment.
0: Yeah,
1: on, on the claim support, but. Uh, up till I left was still fairly, still strict, yeah, and they're still still the same. Like, so it's a harsh environment, yeah, definitely.
0: Is it creating conflict within the teams? Because I'm seeing that across the world. There's there's, there's people and pockets of people all over the world that are like, why are we having to go? You see it just like out on the streets where we all live. There's people that are like really hardcore. Everybody should be wearing a mask. We all need to be vaccinated. This is really serious. And then there's other people that are like, I'm sick of all the restrictions yeah. on my life and and yeah, kind of yeah, rebelling yeah, yeah. against it.
1: Well, that's You're a that's that a of... delicate kind of a thing, out there, now, you know, because there's two mindsets kind of forming out there, like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. There's people who who have the fear there that um, they have the fear of the virus, like in a huge way, yeah. and they're 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 going full whack on everything that that they're told, to. and then you have the other people who look at it as a freedom side of thing, you know. And think uh, that they're 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 being over um, yeah. restricted, basically that type of thing, you know. So it's starting yeah. to come out there. It's starting to you see it, like.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's it is, you mean? But it's uh, where they go. Like that's that's basically on how you see it yourself and how yeah. how much critical thinking you do yourself on things, you know.
0: Yeah, it just adds extra layers of complexity to a project manager. Yeah, does yeah,
1: <laughs> trying to manage all of that as well yeah yeah that was that was another situation there that was something that we uh the vaccination campaign coming in as well there and i could see the stress (laughs) down there yeah Mm. a lot of people worried about different things you know because there's a lot of stuff on social media especially the the reproductive things and all that that was all becoming and that was all coming to me you know because the program was out you know what i mean and then you had Mm. that fear out there so that was difficult all right yeah, and it's not something you don't want to be talking we're not qualified to be telling people stuff like that you know all we can just I tell know, them exactly. is look this is the program and look and and this is what the, the these bodies are advising and, and this is you know what i mean so it, that became all, it, that became a bit difficult no one feeling us actually thinking back in it yeah
0: yeah i know it's crazy isn't it actually when we think about the last 18 months and yeah everything that everybody's had to go through I keep, I look back on it every now and then. I mean, I had a fairly easy pass with it, but it was still tough. I look back on it now thinking, I don't know how I got through all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. It just became, yeah,
1: it just, it just was just an unreal type of a thing. And it just kept happening and moving. It just just became the norm then, you know?
0: I know. I mean, we're, we're having this conversation now at the beginning of December where Omicron is just coming back onto the airwaves and there's probably going to be a new wave of fear coming at us again, but, um, that's it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it just yeah, feels yeah, like it's yeah, never yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah. it will end. oh I
1: changed a lot of people's lives there my mother was like she was afraid to go outside the door there she's still like yeah. traumatized by it you know
0: yeah know, so it, it's it scared
1: uh, scared a lot of people into a kind of a new mental state like
0: yeah yeah <laughs> the, absolutely th- that's, that's,
1: and and that's the reality of it like it's um yeah
0: yeah i mean i is, i've got a couple of friends who are gps and they're saying that that's the biggest thing that they're seeing—the mental health fallout yeah. from what's happened over yeah, the last yeah, eighteen yeah. months—is—is is, it's like the the hidden yeah. health crisis yeah, that nobody's yeah, talking yeah, yeah.
1: about. Uh, uh, we were addressing it in thingies we were over the last year. We were talking about it. We were letting know people. We were letting people know that our door was opened. And every mm-hmm. time a new crew change would come back, we'd address it because we knew we knew what was happening. We HR were doing it as well. We were all all Mm. the the management we were all like making sure that everybody knew because we'd uh we could see it it was pure obvious that the there's a totally a lower vibe there and that was like one of the things then we were every occasion we were trying to you know if someone's bought there we'd we'd kind of celebrate Mm -hmm. it there get some cakes in the office so everything like that they're all the small stuff because they stopped all the other stuff you couldn't do team building in the restaurants or the bars or anything you know so that was kind of out but we did other stuff we did the, the the stuff like celebrating the birthdays and the cake. So we'd always be w- watching that. That's a big yeah. thing. Yeah. We well, have like, to though, yeah. don't you?
0: Because in a in a project environment it's so high risk anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That there's been a greater understanding over the last few years that um, you know, what we traditionally thought of as health and safety isn't about making sure that you're going around saying you must do that and don't do that and make sure you wear the right stuff. Oh, it's definitely, about yeah. understanding definitely. The, the mental load that people are bringing into the job that might distract them from what they're doing. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah so no, that was one of the big ones and it's, it's, it's still there. I'd say, you know, it's still, um,
0: hmm.
1: yeah, but definitely after the initial one, everybody coming back and uncertainty was the big one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. there's lots of change lots of change going on in the industry in the world and one of the biggest topics that we're talking about as well at the moment is um around sort of diversity and inclusion across the world and it is going to form a central part about how we operate in the future we're definitely taking it much more seriously as a business but realistically what are the main challenges on on project operations what are the main challenges in in kind of ensuring that there's there's a level of equity yeah it? um yeah.
1: yeah well like you, you yeah you you definitely want to have everybody at every level um feeling that they're they're being listened to you know that mm-hmm. are included in the overall target so that's where we try and go with it you know yeah. so we have these different talks i mean just going back to thingies we have in every region we have a similar thing we get down yeah. to the, the toolbox talks and then the pms and cms would come down and get down at the at that level you know
0: yeah. i mean
1: it's, it's slightly changed now since the, the pandemic but we're always getting down in there and and talk with the guys and try and give them information about the where we're going with this and the dates and everything like that and 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 the safety targets and everything get everybody to buy into that. Then at the at at at, at uh, the worker level, and that makes a huge difference. So that's the way we've always kind of, and that would be like inclusion there, you know? Yeah, I mean, so that uh,
0: they can feel like they've yeah, got yeah, an yeah. impact on. on oh the yeah, computer, definitely. Rather than, yeah,
1: rather and than
0: it, just being a number, a cog in the wheel.
1: Yeah, so that yeah. like are part of the teams. Oh, we've always always trying to make that, but even now, even more because it's become it's coming from kind of whole all the, the senior people in the company are, are putting this in you know so it's great yeah i do yeah. I, I think it's definitely the way to go um mm-hmm. but yeah and and there is a lot of different ways of doing it you can do it with the different talks and then there's the 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 communication sessions the weekly toolbox talks and you've got the daily tool. and as long as you've gotten getting that message out there and you're keeping people updated with the, the latest information going on they're happy you know yeah 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 because we've often been guilty of, of not getting the information down there, you know, because we'd be busy with other things, but yeah, it makes a difference.
0: Yeah. Can you see the difference between between that and the way that people who work on project sites are approached as humans and how different that is now to when you actually first started to build, say 20 years ago, is there a difference in the way that. Yeah. Kind of you know, There's yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: things that were, there was like the old school of, uh, of, heavy construction you know it was just like a kind of very disciplined kind of um i don't know how to explain it but that's the old school this kind of guy's shouting you know foreman shouting at men supervisors shouting things like that Mm -hmm. you know that was the way 30 years ago i kind of came up in the apprenticeships where that was still kind of the the norm yeah
0: yeah
1: foreman would be uh swearing and shouting which was a normal thing you know and uh but um, that yeah, that just just died away that around, let me say, yeah, that, that was the way that kind of, and it was kind of expected because the old type of management that were there as well would expect supervision to be like that, you know? Yeah.
0: They
1: expect to be hardcore out there being fairly, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouting I'm, at the I'm, guys and everything.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad <laughs> things are changing because sometimes <laughs> you feel like, it's crazy to think that that would still and I'm sure it does still exist in a lot of well, different of workplaces. Yeah. Yeah, but,
1: different cultures yeah. and different traditions accepted, and some do and some don't, you know. Um yeah. but yeah, there's no there's no disrespect like that going around anymore. You know, it was a disrespectful yeah. thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Even even we had it when we moved into the Middle East first, because we would have had the Asian workforce, the Indian lads and the, the Nepalis and the Bengal, the Bangladeshis and um they would have come from other companies who would have allowed that but when we yeah. like and then you've got all of us coming from kentech and we had hired all these like huge numbers of guys from true agents mean and they had that, they brought that culture in where they're shouting and abusing guys and abusing like all sorts of stuff is being said in their own languages like so that all had to be and, th- and that was a cultural coming from other companies back in say yeah, yeah. 2005 6 7 8 9 like that you know yeah, yeah. So that yeah. and 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 we were recruiting guys that would be bringing that that culture with them. That that abuse of shouting, shouting down to the 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 lower levels of men, like you know. Yeah. So yeah, that was there. Uh, but it's definitely not there now. There's no one. Just, just no one gets spoke to like that now for no. a long, long. Because there years. might, there
0: might have always been different cultures that would be, accept it as a way yeah. of life. But we're all humans. Mm. Nobody likes it.
1: It doesn't feel right to do. How it doesn't feel right to do it. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean it's just you know, you're
0: never going to get the best out of people are you when no, you just no, kind no, of no. introduce that level of fear oh, no
1: break the morale is the main thing for the the productivity once you've got a happy team there sure that's it the productivity is yeah. going put out even you don't even have to squeeze people then just keep yeah. once once everybody is in good form and 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 uh, the morale is good and everybody knows where we're going with the targets and you're you're straight up with everyone in the communication. They know when they're positioned because some projects that everybody's worrying about positions coming in to an end and all that. But once you're clear with everybody, and they know roughly as per schedule. That's when you'll be uh, either moving to another job or finishing. Once you're clear with everyone, it keeps everybody happy. Out, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's that's what I've always found with that. that.
0: And um, and energy transition. As well is another big shift that we're seeing in the world and in the industry, yeah, so somebody who spent the, sh- the majority of his career in you know very kind of traditional oil and gas, yeah, what are your views on the on I, the transition?
1: I'd say it, yeah, on the overall energy transition I definitely be it definitely has to happen, sure, you know, I mean over the years, I've gone totally more into uh, nature stuff. You know what i mean yeah. my younger days i wouldn't have i wouldn't have paid much attention to it but over the last 10 years i'm gone all that way you know i've gone into the eastern philosophies and into nature and i've you know what i mean I'd anything that i can do to mm. to do my bit like i'm 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 up for that like yeah definitely but it, it has oh. to happen so i've watched all the if you've seen all david Attenborough's yeah. <laughs> uh documentaries there you, it's just it has to happen, now like immediately. So
0: you're building an eco house. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Not> quite. <laughs> well, it'll be it'll be up there, like, but uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it, it'll have a high efficiency rating,
0: like, right? Okay. Yeah,
1: too. Yeah, I'm going down the whole greenhouse thing and everything. I'm setting up polytunnels down now next year when have the house finished, you know. Yeah, yeah. Try and go on, and if I've after meet like any two years, like, mm. so I'm going down. It's all kind of that way I'm going anyway. It's just kind of came to me naturally, you know.
0: Mm. So it's it's interesting the way that the, the 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 fact that we're this transformed business now and we can actually take a bigger a bigger piece of the energy transition puzzle is it's really exciting to most people. Definitely. But that doesn't that doesn't switch off the um, the oil and gas operations. It's just going to make oil and gas jobs more interesting as well because we've got to figure out how to do. Still, still do jobs like that because the energy demand is still there.
1: Oh, definitely. But just keep yeah, them yeah,
0: more responsibly. Yeah, 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 make yeah, sure yeah. that we're reducing our footprint and trying to um, do these jobs in ways that reduce the carbon footprint. As
1: definitely, as yeah. Oh, I definitely. I, I and I'd like to be part of it. I would. I'd like in the future. I'd like to get into some of those wind projects, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Really... I mean like the yeah, the the oil the oil is still gonna be needed for a long time because of all the other products that come out of it, you know? All the mm. polymers and the plastics, everything, sure you can't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know, exactly. It's all the derivatives as well, isn't it? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like there's just a bit of a um there's a bit of a push pull in the world at the moment because you've got on one hand people talking about the need for this transition and there's absolutely no denying it. But at the same time, I'm watching the news this morning, and they're talking about how, um, you know, our gas bills are going to double by next year, and don't know how people are going to afford it. I'm like, the demand yeah, is gonna yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. going to keep on. You know, it's like yeah. it's like energy and poverty. Yeah, side by side, side by side, don't we? And
1: yeah, that's good. That's 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 happening. Yeah, it's happening with the oil and the fuel, gas, even filling the the tank for the heat and air. Everything is. Yeah. The prices of control Are all roof. Like. I
0: know, yeah, it's crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, it's been a really interesting conversation, but before we end, I'm going to um, ask you some quickfire questions, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, before I do, uh, if we can just circle back and say, if there was one piece of advice that you could give to the next generation of people entering the industry and maybe thinking about doing a job and living a life like you have, Or maybe even if you could go back 20, 30 years and give a little piece of advice to the younger Maurice Deneen, knowing what you know now, what would it be?
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say just go for it, really, yeah, and um, just watch it with the the relationships because not everybody can handle the whole being away side of it because even though you're following your thing and you're following all your ambitions and everything, yeah, you just, it's not everybody can handle it on the, the relationship side. Yeah. so that's yeah that's that's what i've learned out of it but definitely go for it because it's brilliant you know you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'd advise anyone that's interested in that whole like uh, that international oil and gas contract and see just uh, it's just yeah and and you, you do i meet a lot of guys who who when they they know about it they're definitely attracted to it you know so yeah, yeah. and i'd advise them i'd advise yeah. them the, the routes to go down you know yeah. try and get the different experience under their belt and and the different directions to go, you know what I mean? You can
0: yeah.
1: some fellas can go down the whole the full technical route, you know, which is a good brilliant route as well if you're really keen on the technical, or you can go down the, the supervision vision management yeah. route, you know,
0: yeah, or the
1: engineering yeah. route, like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely I'd uh anyone that's thinking about getting into it, I'd say I'd go for it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Quick fire questions. Uh are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> Um, who's the person you most admire and why? I
1: oh, that'd be my father, uh, Edmund Deneen, yeah. Cause he's basically solid and he's, um, he's 70 now and he's still very fit. He's still, he's still the go-to person for all of us. And he basically fixes everything for all of his kids, you know? And, uh, he's just basically the one I most respect, yeah. yeah.
0: I'd say the same about my dad. Something yeah. about dads, isn't there, of that generation? Oh yeah,
1: I still like my dad. Yeah, I just go to. I still, I still got him for all if I have an issue, you know. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Um, tell me a habit or ritual that you do that either improves your life or helps you to perform better.
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, what I do in the morning, every morning, is when I get up there. Depending how I be feeling, I just always run through the. The stuff I'm, uh, that I'm lucky to have, you know, the kids are all healthy, healthy myself. Basically the, the whole situation is good. I look at all the stuff that I'm thankful for and just be thankful. And that just sets me in a, in a fairly positive mood from I go in the morning, you know?
0: That's brilliant advice. Like yeah, yeah. Grat- gratitude and actually having it as a, as a part of daily life. Well, yeah, yeah. Cause it,
1: it works because you sometimes you wake up in the morning and you think of all the stuff you have to do and your stuff getting that little bit of
0: Mm. feeling
1: sorry for yourself going on like and then straight away wouldn't you
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah i'm trying do. to
0: int- i'm trying to introduce that with with my kids as well because they're they're growing up in this um must have it all generation and <laughs> they're <Yeah. laughs> always feeling sorry for themselves and they're spoiled rotten so i'm trying to introduce a little bit of gratitude yeah i mean that's
1: it <laughs> I, I try to do the same with mine <laughs> yeah. um
0: if you had a dream you could make happen that would change the world for the better what would it be um i
1: suppose i suppose simpler living get if people consume less i suppose uh, something like a free energy type of thing if it yeah. was like some kind of dream that you could make happen yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah so like some kind of tesla ideas you know He yeah. had a lot of different ideas there with free energy that uh that never came out basically you know yeah 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 something like that would be cool um
0: what's on your adventure list
1: yeah, I've, I've been, um, I've been, I got into skydiving there about seven or eight years ago. So I was, I was trying to become a skydiving instructor. So that was my, my plan there for a while. So I'm st- that's still my plan. And I was planning to get uh, base jumping done up in Norway over the next couple of years, you know?
0: Okay. I'd say they're pretty extreme adventures. Did you get into the skydiving while you were in, in the Middle East? Yeah, I
1: got I, I started it in a uh, skydive Dubai in 2013,
0: yeah. so yeah. yeah. It's not something that I ever did. I kind of always was telling myself that I was going to do it and never did it. And then I had children and became way too fearful. You know, when you have kids and then suddenly everything looks really dangerous.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're minding yourself because you've got all the responsibilities.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I just never did. Yeah, but it's actually safe. It's it's, uh,
1: There's so much safety involved in it. It's all double checking and you become like... A safety yeah. fanatic, like when you're at skydiving, you know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, because
1: it's all yeah. double checks and triple checks, and you yeah. get your, everything, yeah. So yeah. it's like, oh, I get I get a lot out of it because it does a lot for your your whole psyche, you know. It just yeah. gives you a lot of different types of confidences and everything. So and it, it's, yeah. yeah, it's you get a lot from it. So I'll, I'll stay at it, yeah. I'll I'll yeah. still try and get down to the, the I'll go down the instructor route because I'm at two hundred jumps now, so I have all enough jumps to oh, do my the, word. yeah. Right.
0: yeah okay so that's... um <laughs> uh three people living our dad that you'd love to have dinner with
1: yeah um Alan Watts that a famous English philosopher I don't know if you heard about him or not
0: no you're he's, gonna have to explain yeah a he's, bit
1: more. he's he's he was probably the guy that brought the eastern philosophy to the west I've I've read basically all his stuff now listened to all his lectures. For the last 10 years but he's dead since 73 yeah so i'd, I'd like to have a de- dinner with him
0: yeah yeah.
1: the other one would be jockey summer he's uh he's like um an international wingsuiter they're like the proximity wingsuit he'd be in my opinion one of the best out there i'd like to he's alive like i'd like to have yeah. dinner with him as well and then you've got my great-grandfather jim brunock he was um he was a uh, an officer in command with the for my battalion in the war of independence so i only recently read his military records you know a lot of stuff i didn't know about him when i was young because i'd known no, him up until he died at 89 and yeah definitely like to have, have uh dinner with him that one. and
0: yeah it's one of those when generations previous generations pass yeah it's only when you become an adult that you think oh what yeah I
1: just yeah ask? yeah
0: yeah like i have this conversation with my husband all the time because he doesn't even he can't even remember the names of his grandparents and stuff, and I'm like, you need to know this stuff. Like, you need to ask. Yeah, yeah. At least yeah. ask your mum and dad yeah, as and much th- as they know while they are still yeah, with us.
1: Exactly, and that's and that's the stage. I'm at now. I'm trying to find out because my mother's pushing on, and you know, my father's pushing on, and yeah. trying I'm after showing a huge interest now in all the, yeah. the local family history. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And just, it's, I find it fascinating. Just tell me stories about when you were growing up. They love doing it as well, but you know, yeah, just yeah, yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: yeah so
0: right well it's been a really interesting conversation Maurice. thanks so much for coming on to spark generation and for being keen to do it as well i didn't even have to convince you you just said yes oh yeah no problem <laughs> happy to do it if you had the choice would you make the same one as Maurice? The bonds that can be created in tough environments where everybody is in the same boat, all working towards the same goals and celebrating the same successes are unmistakable and alluring. You enjoy the life and it means you can provide for your family, but it can also be tough on personal relationships and you'd regularly miss family events. It's tough isn't it, there's no right or wrong. We're all gloriously individual and make different choices and that's what makes life so interesting. Thank God we do all make different choices. If we didn't have people like Morris who lived and loved a life like this, then the world's energy crisis would be much more stark than it is right now. And honestly, who needs that? If you found this episode of Spark Generation interesting and would like to hear more, please hit subscribe. Until next time, look after yourselves and stay safe.